backpackers, travellers and globetrotters from all around the world, welcome to what is a very special episode for the Itchy Feet podcast. Today, it is our first bonus episode. We're going to be joined for one more time, a little encore from Fiona, as we talk about animal tourism and how to make it ethical and how to really focus on trying to be better travellers, both for the environment and for the animals themselves. We'll be focusing mainly on the countries of Asia, but they do apply all around the world. So thank you for listening and taking note on a way that we can travel more ethically and really help the world. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the first bonus episode, Animal Tourism. Welcome back to another episode of the show, Fee. Good to have you back. Hey. Considering we just sort of touched on Thailand, I thought it'd be perfect to come back and touch on some of the ethical problems and solutions that they're coming up with out there when it comes to animal tourism. I find there's so many different people that go out there with this intention to go and hang out with these exotic animals that they've never seen before. You know, elephants, tigers, monkeys, and everything underneath the water that sort of comes at them that I feel that it's something that we could really use to talk to you about and just find out a little bit about the ways that we can do it in a more ethical and manageable way for not just the animals, but for the environment as well. Well, the big thing about it is the education of it. A lot of people don't understand why they can't ride an elephant, why they can't pick up a monkey and sit it on their shoulder. A lot of the time when you educate people and they understand, they then want to help the animals. So it's all about knowing what you're doing. Let's start off with our funky, trunky friends, those big ass elephants. Starting it off with elephant riding being pretty much the most common and realistically one of the most horrific elements of animal tourism in terms of exploitation for human gain. And it's not just in Thailand, it's all throughout Asia as well. Just to throw some numbers out there, a hundred years ago, there was an estimated 10,000 elephants in Southeast Asia. That now sits around 3,000 to 4,000. Half of those are domesticated, right? How does one make an elephant domesticated and do what a human wants it to do? They call it the crush, right, Fee? Yep. So it's called the pajan, which kind of translates to the crush. Years ago, it was designed to disconnect the elephant's spirit from its body. Um, so then it would be able to do whatever humans told it to do pretty much. So what they would do is they would take a baby elephant and if it was from the wild, quite often they would kill its family in front of it so it would know it was alone. They'd tie up all of its legs, they would starve it, throw water at it, hit it with little pickaxes, just pretty much torture this elephant for days on end till eventually one of the behuts, the elephant trainers, would come and untie the elephant and give it a meal so the elephant would then think, oh, this is my friend, like I can trust this person. But they would continue to kind of use pickaxe to keep the elephants in line throughout their time in the tourism business. But it's just all around a terrible experience for them because there's that saying that elephants never forget. And they do have really large brains, really good memory capacity. So there is evidence that they never forget this experience, which is kind of like a PTSD for them. And then to go on to have humans riding around on them when their spines aren't designed for that and to go and have to do all these tricks and things and perform for humans. So it's not a great life for them. Yeah. And you can really ask yourself how it sort of gets to that stage and why tourism becomes so big for the elephants and for the mahouts and the business owners themselves. And it's basically stemming from the fact that it's expensive to keep an elephant 
in captivity. So they've got to make the money. So they've got to send them to work. I don't think they deliberately go out of their way to try and harm the elephants. I just don't think they know any better, especially the fact that you think about anyone who's ridden an elephant. Unfortunately, I'm guilty of it. I went out to Thailand when I first started traveling. I was about 21, a young, naive boy going out to Thailand just to basically get drunk and ride an elephant. That was my point. And this is what we're sort of talking about is had I known what that elephant had to go through in order for me to sit on its back and to get this 10 minute thrill ride, I would never have thought of doing it. I'm not trying to shame people who've done it. I'm guilty of it myself. But what we can do is go and educate each other about it because, you know, you've got a saddle that weighs around about 60 kilos, 50 kilos, something like that. Yeah, about that. You know, at that age, I was roughly around about 85 kilos-ish. You know, they're only supposed to support around about 100 kilos. And you think about something breaking your back and you've still just got to cruise around and take it on the chin and continue working. And when you're not working, you're chained up. It's not something that we really want to be contributing to. We are trying to reduce that sort of thing. And as travelers, I believe it's up to us to look forward and try and eradicate that sort of behavior and look towards some alternatives that are a lot more ethical. It's definitely better to go to a sanctuary. So for a lot of the people that are taking care of the elephants, a lot of it is to do with money. And as long as people and tourists who are coming to their countries want to ride elephants, they're going to keep making money off it. And they need that money to take care of the elephant, to feed the elephant. And a lot of them do see the elephant as family like something they do take care of, but they've got to afford to take care of it. So they do things like elephant rides. So a lot of these places have now turned into sanctuaries where you can go and you can follow a day in the life of an elephant, which is a lot better for them. So you can follow them around, you can feed them the different things. Um, you can see them in the water cooling off. You can see them in the mud cooling down as well. So it's a much nicer experience to go and see those happy elephants who have a bit more of a freer lifestyle than to see one where you're sitting on this plank of wood on top of an elephant and it's just getting hit as you walk around for 10 minutes so it's a much nicer experience to go to the sanctuaries and the more people want to go to the sanctuaries the more will open and less riding places there will be i've had people that have come to me and said that sanctuaries still aren't that ethical because you're forcing an elephant to go and take a bath or to come and get fed and things like that i think in terms of following them and bathing them i mean that's up to your own interpretation to whether or not it's needed or necessary. But my understanding and the way I used to explain to people who sort of stood against sanctuaries and said that it wasn't enough was that Rome wasn't built in a day, right? You can't say to a 21, 22, 23 year old tourist who's a little bit uneducated about the process, hey, do you want to go and be guaranteed to see an elephant and ride it? Or do you want to go on a wild safari in a car and possibly see nothing? it's going to be a no brainer for the person who doesn't understand it. So you've got to work your way up to that. And I think that's a great way to sort of put it forward is it's a stepping stone to progress. When I go to Sri Lanka, we do elephant safaris there and it's a really, really nice experience to go and see them literally just in the wild. They live on their own in the national park. The Jeeps drive around twice a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon. And the Jeep drivers know where the elephants like to hang out so they can drive around until they find them. They're really good at spotting them. You see lots of other cool animals as well. But it's just so nice to see them in their natural habitat, not tied up or chained up or like no injuries that humans have given them. Yeah, after all, they're a social animal as well. And I think that's the most devastating part. As much as those physical effects really hit them, the torture and stuff mentally breaks them down. But think about going through all that, knowing that, 
you are a social being and you want to be around family. You want to be around friends and they're kind of like us in a way they're social butterflies. And when they're not around their friends and family, they get depressed, chuck some torture on top of that. And damn girl. Bills, this lockdown is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get you. I get you. But that's exactly the point though. The point is to sort of aim towards the most ethical, which is probably safaris. And I think we keep taking those stepping stones ahead and, Elephant Nature Park do it really, really well. They keep taking that step forward each time to a point now where if the elephants don't go and bathe themselves, then you sit back, watch, and enjoy the fact that you get to see elephants just chilling out and enjoying their life. Some people actually ask, why don't they just release them into the wild? But it's a domesticated elephant. It's been looked after by humans. It's now relying on humans. You take away that source and then it's all over Red Rover pretty much. Big one through Phuket, I noticed when I was younger, there's a lot of advertisements for tiger photos and you see it all in people's photos. It's similar to the idea of the photo being taken when you're riding an elephant is the photo taken next to a tiger or patting a tiger cub, but you don't realize that this is actually incredibly harmful. They're globally endangered with 4,000 of them living in the wild. That's down from 100,000 hundred years ago. Then you've got companies that are bringing them in Think about it, a wild tiger chilling out, getting patted by humans. What's it going to take to make a tiger so docile? That's why they drug them. And they always say, oh no, like cats are just like lazy during the day. But a tiger could attack you so easily. It would not be safe to have them around tourists without giving them something to kind of chill them out, calm them down. But then they're getting that every single day so that the tourists can come around. So it's really, really not safe. And they're also breeding them so they'll have lots of babies because the babies bring in more tourism, brings in more money because everyone wants a photo with the babies. And there was stories about the temple in Kanchanaburi that had all the tigers. When the police went in and kind of went, right, we need to kind of check what's happening. And they had all these dead baby cubs in the freezer to sell on the black market to sell parts, which was just really horrific to think That's about. horrible, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's definitely more difficult because there are safaris that you can go and see tigers, like in places like India, you can go on safari and see the tigers in the wild. But with elephants, elephants are are a lot more chill like in the sense of they'll quite happily stand on the edge and kind of you know be eating and they don't really mind if a jeep goes past whereas tigers as cats tend to be tend to be a bit sneakier so it is more difficult to see them on a safari so it's even more difficult to explain to tourists we've not got a great chance of seeing these tigers on safari but we'll see them in their natural habitat as opposed to seeing a drugged one that they can sit next to and take photos with get that new profile photo for our instagram yeah, again, it's that trying to find that stepping stone that makes people move towards those safaris. I used to run tours that went to safaris in Ranthambore in India, and we're going to touch on that in one of our India episodes. But again, you've got to then explain to people that we're going to pay money to go in this car early in the morning because that's when they're active to then possibly drive around for four or five hours and not see one because they're very sneaky animals. They like to chill out. They like to have their space. So they hear us before we see or hear them. So they make the decision of whether or not they want to be seen or not. So it's quite a difficult conversation to have with people that don't understand the ethical side to it. Because like you said, the alternative's horrific. It can be difficult explaining that to people who really just want that photo up close. When you look on Instagram for people like for tiger photos, you see all the ones that are like close up selfies. So trying to explain to somebody that it's better to see them in the wild, even though you might not get that amazing Instagram shot, can be a difficult sell. 
Yeah, it is. And I think the next one's uh, a little bit easier for the sale. And I, I think monkeys throughout Thailand and throughout Asia are uh, very easily spotted. They're not going to be hiding anywhere. But I think it's more about safety with monkeys. I mean, you don't want to be stomping around and destroying their habitat, but monkeys make the world their own habitat. So I think realistically, you're going to come across monkeys all the time. They're a bunch of pricks. Right, let's be real. I'm not going to use the words I used to use when I used to run uh, tours uh, on a boat party on PP. They're uh, assholes. <laughs> I had a bit more colourful language to have to say about them back in those days. I know days. exactly what you used to say. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just in general, let the monkeys be. Let them do their own thing. Keep your distance. Keep caution. And ultimately, if you play with monkeys, you're going to get bit. I lived out there for four years. I dealt with monkeys every day for two of them. Never got bit once. Yet the amount of people that came on my tours and got bitten, it was like, oh, they're so dangerous. Like, they're not. You literally just like went up there and tried to pick up its kid. You know, <laughs> try doing that to a human. Monkeys are so intelligent. And it's like the little things that you need to remember because they're intelligent. If you try to touch a baby monkey, mama's not gonna be happy. It's like if you were sitting on the beach and you were just chilling and a stranger comes up and tries to pick up your child, you're going to be angry. If a stranger comes and tries to pick you up, <laughs> you are going to be angry. <laughs> and they're smart enough to know that if you've got a bag with you or you've got something shiny, ooh, shiny, I'm going to take that. Once a monkey's got it, that belongs to the monkey. You are not getting that back. Yeah. And it knows that people have good things hidden in their bags, like chocolate, crisps, cans of coke which a monkey will eat and it is so bad for them and monkeys do not know how to recycle so all that trash gets left on the beach when i was running the boats a girl was standing under a tree and she's getting a selfie with the monkey up above her head and the monkey's just sort of like bounced slightly just to get a little bit more depth and over each second he gets a little bit more depth and <laughs> next minute off come her sunglasses and see you later. He runs up to the top of the tree and everyone's like watching this monkey. It just looks down at her, snaps him and throws him at her. It's like, wow, you're a prick. A lot of people say they've got the rabies shot when they get bitten, because it does happen when people get too close to monkeys. Just because you've got a rabies shot doesn't mean you can't get rabies. It means it delays the amount of time you have to eradicate the rabies from you with a injection. It's not a fun process either because if I recall, back when I was out on the island, it was a three-course process over two weeks, I think it was, maybe over one week, and you're not supposed to drink during that week, which for people that are out in Thailand, usually on the islands, that's a big problem. Finally, I just want to wrap it up, seeing you've touched on the trash in the water. I mean, you get a lot of people that go snorkeling out there, and if I can give any tips for people that don't want to damage coral, don't want to damage wildlife and stuff like that, don't touch anything. Snorkel horizontally. Take a life jacket if you need to to keep your buoyancy and just leave everything behind. Don't touch anything. Overtourism is not only destroying elephants, tigers, monkeys, habitats, but also the underwater habitat. And perfect example of that is Maya Bay. So Maya Bay was a massive icon of the PP Islands in southern Thailand. And they closed it down and within about six to seven weeks, the black tip reef sharks had returned to the bay itself. They have also planted a bunch of corals to try and reset that ecosystem and bring it back to what it was. But again, it's one of those things that you really need to focus on the importance of what you're doing. 
its impact on the environment and the animals and whether or not it is absolutely essential to get that photo on an elephant, get that photo next to a tiger, get that photo with the monkey's teeth in your ankle. They say do it for the gram. And, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, yep, do it for the gram. You having a picture of you on an elephant would have looked so cool. But now, picture of you on an elephant, there's going to be so many people looking at that thinking you're the asshole, not that you look cool. <laughs> I think that's a huge point to make. It's now a big point of what reflects on your personality. And if you're not educated on something, to actually go out and try and learn a little bit about it, to make sure what you're doing is actually helpful and is actually ethical. Because if it's not, you're right. You look like an absolute jackass. It's cool to be kind and it's cool to be ethical. You're going to love this. My favorite jumper. Being kind is cool. <laughs> Fee's just produced a jumper for the camera that says being kind, Be kind is cool. Is cool. <laughs> well, that's a perfect way to round it out. Be kind to animals. Be kind to the environment. If you have any tips or anything for us or for everyone else, feel free to shoot them to us. Fee, I want to thank you one more time again for coming on board. You've been an absolute trooper as always. It was great talking to you. And I hope everyone listening around the world took something away from this episode and can help contribute to ethical animal tourism. And going forward, hopefully we can work towards getting these beautiful animals off the endangered list and into a more safe environment. For now, that's it from the Itchy Feet podcast. Thank you very much for listening. If you have enjoyed us, as always, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or you can go and visit nomadcoops.com. Shoot us a comment, shoot us some information. We're always looking for more stories, more guests on more countries, even tips on ones that we've already covered. Join the community and become a part of the Itchy Feet podcast.